Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsing, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, uh, happy American Thanksgiving to you at Listener's Happy Belated American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and to you, gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, we are we are celebrating Thanksgiving here in the Tacoma household with uh, barbecue. Mm, um, nice. Some, some friends of ours got like a big barbecue platter order from a local restaurant. So we have smoked turkey um which is very very smoky i had a little bit of it last night Uh, it's very smoky um and then we've got mac and cheese which we have to put in a casserole dish because there's like fresh cheese on top of it that needs to be melted to get in there Mm -hmm. um we've got some greens we don't have enough stuffing um just a little bit of stuffing stuffing's the best part um, and we've got some other stuff, but uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Uh, what are you doing for your Thanksgiving today? Well, I am already too full. Uh, listeners, we're recording in the early afternoon. Normally on Thanksgiving, like the whole immediate family, right, nuclear family with the, the, the spouses, right, come over to the house. And then we, we have a two-tiered Thanksgiving situation where we do, like, our family on the day. And then we do the extended family in Wisconsin the day after. Obviously, we're not doing that this year. Because of the pandemic. Um, so, but what we're taking advantage of with that is, you know, because I feel strongly that we should be listening to Samantha B and the others, uh, taking advantage of the fact that you should not be doing Thanksgiving with, like, your, like, should not be having households and bubbles get together in groups so that you can do whatever you want. So what we usually do, we have a very, what's become a rather set menu. I don't like the Thanksgiving set menu because I think it gets to uh, people get too locked into things and then they the the quality goes down but pe- but it's a tradition so you have to keep the food, you know, like I feel like there should be some flexibility. But what we've developed over time is a soup a, a butternut squash and par- uh, soup and a parsnip soup side by side, uh salad, green salad, fruit salad, rolls, uh and then uh turkey um like with like brined turkey with um, uh, stuffing, but uh, dressing, not inside. Uh, with a sausage and bread stuffing um, a with, like, leeks and apples and stuff. And then cranberries, got to have the cranberries, got to have fresh cranberries that you've cooked, um, mashed potatoes with gravy, and, and then we have several pie options. So it's a lot. So what, we're, what we did this year, because I was like, ah-ha-ha, take advantage. We're not waiting for people to get to the house to eat, so we can split that into, like, lunch and dinner. So, you know, instead of having a tiny portion of everything, you know, or just way overeating, I I just had my soup and a a roll and a uh, a fruit salad and a green salad. Uh, So I make sure I get some healthy stuff in today. And that was a great idea. And then later we're going to do the actual meal part later than we usually do. Um, So then I'll have space after we record. I'm going to go, like, I was going to go... On an exercise bike, that's not going to happen now. I've eaten too much already, so we're going to go for a walk. Okay. I'm going to do a walk. And then and it's like, then all the space. But, you know, the trouble is that it's, the soup is really, really yummy. Um, so I had more of it because, you know, that was my whole lunch, right? And then that was too much. So 
I already have overeaten and it's not even, we haven't even gotten to the mains yet. <laughs> you filled up on bread, except you filled up on soup. I didn't, I only had one roll. No, no, I filled up on soup. except you filled up on soup instead. You've just got perpetual yeah. warm soup belly now. It's very, it's very yummy. I, I like, it was, a that, compared to the other things, that's a more recent Kulzik addition to the menu. It's like now five, six years we've been doing that, but like... Definitely only post-college. Is, is that been a thing in our family? Mm-hmm. Uh, and highly recommended, listeners, if you're looking for, like, a, if you're like, well, you know, we need to eat something. We always get too hungry, but we don't want to eat because it's not, like, the meal time yet. Cook up a soup ahead of time. Do, do, do a vegetable, a roast vegetable soup. Man, get your yams that way or something. Oh, it's so good. It's very tasty. And you can make it, like, I made it, we made the soup last Saturday. Oh, okay. And it just gets... It just sits in the fridge and tastes better the longer it sits there. Yeah. So, like, it's very good. Anyways, it's so far it's been delicious. It's been really great. Um, but I already am regretting some of my food choices that I haven't. The turkey hasn't even gone in the oven yet. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how the rest of the day goes. I can report back next week. Um, yeah. So, it's probably for the best <laughs> that it's going to be a very low-key Thanksgiving for us uh, here at the 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 the, the calls of bunker. We'll see what happens. But your your spread that you guys are doing sounds delicious. It sounds very good. We're very excited. Um, my partner is making a pumpkin pie right now to split with her friend, um, who provided things hadn't spiked, we probably would have had dinner with them. Um, but mm-hmm. because things are spiking, they're going to split a pie and go on a walk um, while I stay home. Um, cause I'm just like, no, <laughs> it'll stress you out too much, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's a little too much for me. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's important that everybody knows their limits and respects that and, you know, is just aware of the situation yeah. we're in. So yeah, that that's great. Yeah. We've got, um, there's a family tradition cause my couple generations back we have was farmers in my family, uh, on my mom's side. And so like, there is a tradition of making pies, like for the farm, mm-hmm. so they would make lots of pies. Um, and there's a bunch. There's a bunch of really good bakers in my extended family, and my mom is really great at pie. So th- over time, a tradition has has been established that you got to have, like you know, my, my great grandfather Walter would uh, have a slice of every type mm-hmm. of pie. My my brother has adopted this tradition now. Uh, which you can do when you're six foot two and like work out all the time. But um, so so the the challenge this year is only three, but there's going to be pumpkin and apple and blueberry. So I'm very excited to do. So like what what we did, my mom made the pies, but we like cut a little like slice out of like as much as we want out of the other two pies and then delivered them. Um, so I, I I'm looking forward to attempting the the mini version of that with like a little sliver of, of blueberry and a little sliver of apple and a little sliver of pumpkin. Um, but there, that's going to have to be like at like seven, mm-hmm. eight, like right before bed so that I can not fall asleep from all the right. sugar. Right. I'm, I'm thinking I'm planning, but yeah, pumpkin pie, I think wins for me for, for Thanksgiving. It's it, it pecan is delicious. Apple's delicious. There's a lot of really good pie choices, but I think if you have to, only do one i think the correct choice is pumpkin based on the baked goods i have received from you guys in the past i have no doubt that that's going to be a delicious pumpkin pie yeah i'm sure it will be i won't be able to know because i as we've discussed i'm not a big pie person so yeah it gets gets you wrong you're wrong 
It's important that you tell your person that I said yeah, so. Yeah, no, she knows. So. Um, we may be making another pie if we have enough pie crust left over for something I'll eat. So we may do like a um, buttermilk pie of some kind. Or if we have enough chocolate, we may do like a chocolate cream, which I will eat. Um, but it's just eating chocolate and a little bit of like pie crust. And that I don't know that that qualifies as pie. <laughs> listeners well of course that qualifies as pie that's what do you think pie is i don't know it's a big tart uh, i don't know listeners, you can't has, see my face Bake-off has made me concerned about definitions of pies <laughs> do do not cite bake-off pie because like they can do the savory pies but whenever they do american style pies it is a travesty it is bad so like they're american baking I mean, you saw the brownie yes. challenge come on they they do not like it's like what do they think we eat in america because it is not this <laughs> so um yeah no their their tarts feel more indicative of yes, our pies that's correct than right. they think that their pies are of our pies it's a whole th- it's a whole thing but um yeah i know the chocolate pie thing is really mm-hmm. common and really like it's a really common popular choice um i still very fondly remember um a slice of chocolate pecan pie that i got at frontier grill forever ago um which is amazing, and I mean, I assume it's still on the menu there because uh, it had been on the menu since they opened when I had it, and it's like with Bailey's whipped cream too. It's oh, okay, like... sure, sure, sure. So, and I had never had pecan pie before. Oh, or pecan okay. pie, depending. So I was like, it was my introduction to. It. I was like, oh, I was like, well, this is amazing. I see why like all of the South loves this, and also a bunch of other places. <laughs> it's very good, but the fact that you're like, oh, I can do chocolate pie, but not pumpkin pie, is just. I also don't brain. like like pumpkin as like a flavor. Um, it's just not something I enjoy. That, so that's okay. It's, no yucking yums. No yumming yucks. Okay, we're gonna be good. We're gonna get through this together, Noel. Because I'm gonna say that's okay. You don't have to like the Listeners, things that I like. Her, Kate's that's eyes okay. are just closed in concentration and like focus of like I'm not going to judge this man. I'm not going to judge this man. Personal growth. I am judging this man silently, deep inside my heart. That's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Well, that just means there's more, like, pumpkin loaf for me. Yeah, look at it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing people who enjoy the pie to have more of it. Yeah. That's what, yeah. I'm a giver. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, we should get to our actual, like, non-food related part of the podcast which is supposed to be the entire podcast but listeners definitely happy thanksgiving like we said i hope everyone is well i hope everyone is having a safe and a uh you know a a restful holiday to the best of their abilities and our thoughts are with all y'all it's a stressful time um this week we had a couple news things we wanted to talk about which are sad um first of all black lightning is going to be ending after this next season because i was all excited because they bumped up grace to be a series regular for next season and so that's the news i saw first i was like oh that's awesome yay very excited the character's great and then i saw oh and they're gonna end it's like after four seasons after four seasons while the flash is still going and granted yes i know the flash gets way higher ratings but it, there's, it's just such a better show. Black Lightning is such a better show than The Flash. It makes me very sad. And they've announced a painkiller spinoff. It's like, I don't... I, that's like the part of the show I care yeah. about the least. So the fact that, I mean, like, yay and all, we'll see, what, I mean, especially if it's some of the same creative people, we'll see what they do with a painkiller spinoff. But, like, it, it was very, it was very uh, disheartening to hear that. Like, the direction it seems like the, the Arrowverse is going now, they're connected to superhero shows with the shows that are staying and the shows that are going. 
Yeah, I'm sad about the Black Lightning news, and I imagine a lot of it boils down to the fact that Black Lightning is probably more expensive to shoot um, overall, since they have to shoot in Atlanta. Um, And I imagine that they would much rather be shooting, especially right now, in Vancouver. Um, So I imagine that's some of it, and if they're doing a Painkiller spinoff, it'll be easier to decant that to Vancouver if they pick it up. Um, and they can centralize things that way. But I'm very disappointed and sad about this because, yeah, no, Black Lightning's really good. And so, yeah, um, mostly for me, I'm wondering about the state of both, like, the Arrowverse, given that Supergirl's also ending after this year, um, with Black Lightning ending as well, about what the Arrowverse sort of looks like. But I'm also wondering about what the CW looks like. Um, mm-hmm. in no small part because both of its corporate parents are really pivoting away from TV um, in terms of TV TV um, Viacom CBS is really trying to rebrand All Access as Paramount Plus starting next year and they're really pivoting a lot of their cable properties away from being cable channels and being like development places um, and Warner Media is ob- most obviously focusing all its chips on HBO Max. So I'm really curious about the future of the CW over the. I would I would have said like last year over the next like five years. I'm really curious over like the next three at this point um, about what the CW is going to be um, given its corp its dual ownership and corporate parentage and what it's going to look like. Um, yeah, so that the Black Lightning news made me start thinking about that. Yeah, it's it's a very good point, and I yeah, because they have the Superman and Lois right, show, yes, which has already gotten they're some trying to launch flack. Yep. Um, yeah, yep. which is not a great sign. No, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, search it up. But uh, one of the writers who uh, has left the show. Uh, cited a lack of diversity and the casting even just background people as a problem they were having and a reason that they were they were being a squeaky wheel about it and they felt like it the reading between the lines it seems like they feel like that was part of why they their contract wasn't renewed yeah so that's a great sign um and uh yeah i mean the flash has been running at fumes for a while (laughs) because he runs because he runs. Uh, and you know we're very excited for our alien season of, of, of Legends. I but wait. like, I cannot wait. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a transition period. So we'll yeah. see what happens next. Um, our other bit of news is that One Day at a Time has been canceled again. But it is still being shopped around. So we're, you know, we're basically waiting to hear stuff. And we should know stuff before too long either way is what I've been seeing from, like, the showrunners and things uh, when they've been tweeting about this. So, uh, I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. Uh, and, you know, I, it was always a bit of a long shot that they would, like, find an audience on CBS, but when it didn't, when it didn't like, have great ratings, you know, it, it's a tricky time to launch any show to a new audience, you know, during all of this. But, um, you know, there was always that maybe people will find it because it's such a good show and because it's such a CBS-friendly show with the, the format and everything. Um, but that didn't happen, and so it's not going to be on Pop, it's not going to be on CBS or CBS All Access, but they are shopping it to other places. That tells me that they must have, like, 
ironed out the rights issues that happened with Netflix, right? Is that what that means? Potentially. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't following this super, super closely, um, mainly because I just wasn't surprised because this goes back to the Viacom CBS stuff and they had already announced that Pop was going to be pulling out of original scripted programming. And I was just like, well, that's it for one day at a time. Yeah. And it just took a little while for that news to kind of get formalized, I guess. But I was not surprised by that um, after the pop announcement. Mm-hmm. So we will keep you posted, listeners. Um, but uh, at least we've gotten more time with the Alvarez family. And, you know, fingers crossed that we get a little longer. Um, but yeah, tears. We're going to miss them. Uh, our show at the end of the segment is We Bear Bears. It felt like a, a good choice. And, uh, you know, like of the shows that we've been thankful for in the past several years, I feel like this would be on your list. Noel, is that correct? This is absolutely on my list. And uh, yeah, we needed a show to talk about this week. And I, find, I just went, we can do We Bear Bears. Let's do We Bear Bears. <laughs> Let's do We Bear and, Bears. <laughs> uh, listeners, I was not mistaken in my recommendation. Yeah, so we will be talking about that at the end of the, of the show. It is available streaming several places. The first two seasons are yes. on Hulu. The third and fourth season are on uh, Netflix. All of it is on HBO Max, except for the movie, which is right. on demand, if you have Cartoon mm-hmm. Network, until New Year's Day. It is no okay. longer going to be on demand for free um, uh, in 2021. So who knows where it will be then. But for now... Yeah. You can check that out there. So we're going to listen to a little uh, clip from Adventure Time Distant Lands, Woke Up. It's lovely to have Marcy back with a new song. Um, And then we'll be back with our Week in TV right after this. Don't you see? You're exactly what I don't want to be. Honestly, you're a walking, talking, candy tragedy. was again uh, olivia olsen as marceline the vampire queen singing woke up in adventure time distant lands we're gonna talk about that to kick off our weekend tv the the new episode is called obsidian and then noel will have some thoughts on the beginning of season two of the great pretender or great pretender which is uh now streaming on netflix wizard of the far east is the name of this final chapter like heist nine episode arc um he'll have thoughts on the first four then we'll talk about the mandalorian chapter 12 the siege then Superstore, Prize Wheel, The Amazing Race, Are You a Rickshaw? And This Is Not Payback, This Is Karma. And we'll round things out with Great British Bake Off, Patisserie, which is the semifinal for the season. Um, so first off is Adventure Time, Distant Lands. Now we were like about, about a week late with this because it, because HBO Max is not communicating when these Adventure Time specials are going to drop, basically. But I was certainly glad that 
that we made sure that it would be on the list for this week because it was terrific. I really liked it. I did too. It was very much a, more so than the BMO episode, it was very much a kind of like a, look, this is what we always wanted to do with these two characters. And now we get to do it because we're on HBO Max um, Mm -hmm. type of episode. But it was also just still really good to kind of be back in this world again. And to really, to tell this very contained story about Bubblegum, Marceline, as well as this brand new kingdom that we had never seen before. The the Glass Kingdom um, and Mm -hmm. See-Through Princess. And Glass Boy, new hero of the, (laughs) new hero of the franchise, Glass Boy. Boys by Michaela Dietz, mm-hmm. uh, who is terrific, of course. Um, you, such a fun. I mean, I always enjoy when the Steven Universe cast pops up at their places. We'll talk about that when we get to We Bear Bears. But um, uh, having like when they give Gla- Glass Boy um, his own like punk song, and it's like, oh, it's so great to hear Michaela Dietz sing mm-hmm. and do something different. But like, ah, uh, like it fits somewhat with Amethyst, but it really suits her vocal stylings really well because I feel like she did not get enough to do musically yes uh compared to the the rest of the cast on steven and this shows like that she like she crushed it she sounded really great in a way in a completely distinct from the kind of things that the other the vocal cast got to do on the voice cast got to do on steven to show their musical abilities so i was glad that it's like see that's exactly i wouldn't want anybody else from the from the steven cast doing this song this is the right person for the song and it's a shame that that they didn't find opportunities for her to like show what she can do on on Steven Universe, but at least she got to do it here. Um, the the Glass Kingdom, like that's, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's really cool spending time in a completely different kingdom, it's, and that's so far away. It's almost like it's a distant land. Oh yeah, that's why they call it distant land. Yeah, I'm slow sometimes, uh, and I'm hoping like it really hit that home, uh, and you know, having be- as the second of however many adventure serial episodes. Um, I really liked the immediate sense of place and just like the distinct feel of the glass kingdom. And and I'm hoping that we get that kind of an energy, a distinct energy for each of these episodes moving forwards. Uh, The, the, the outer space one that we got with Bebo was cool and all, but like, I was immediately like, yes, why have we never been here before? Yeah. And I, it allowed you to do the kind of narrative things that they wanted to do here, which was go through the badlands um, a little bit where Marceline grew up. Um, and get us reestablish that sense of place, and then be like, the, there's this whole other kind of isolated kingdom away from everyone else, um, which I think really is kind of great because Ooh, despite its size, has always felt really contained, very contained, yeah. And so this opportunity to like go th- past the badlands, the wastelands, or whatever they call them into this space of the glass kingdom i thought was just really really great because i feel like the furthest we've ever really gone has been and geographically i may just be off is like the breakfast kingdom seems pretty far out as does wherever they do drop off the tarts because they have that whole tunnel system um but that's still like within the badlands area i feel like and this is just way past that and the fact that they have this whole culture um, that is just delightfully exposed. Um, gosh, those those three advisors were just the worst. Just the meanest <laughs> of mean people. Um, immediately terrible. Immediately terrible. Just so clearly terrible. But now she now see through princess has pants. <laughs> yeah. Now you oh, have that pants. was so great. Uh, she's got pants. 
It's very, very cool. The The design for all that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like, just like the name of See-Through Princess, because like I, I rewound a couple times to try to hear what it was, and I had to look it up on IMDb because I couldn't figure out what they were saying. Because yeah. I didn't, my brain wouldn't, it was like, oh, it's going to be like glass princess or, you know, porcelain, or which is different, yeah. but, you know, like something like, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And and so then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, see-through princess. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I had trouble hearing the name, too, until the song with it where it was, I see yeah. you see-through princess, which is such a good lyric and a good, like, hit on that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we should talk about PB and Marceline living in domestic bliss. Um, yeah, it's delightful. Oh, so good. And use my hairbrush. Uh, I didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, and just playing games, working on new songs. Um, yeah, it was just really great. And they get we get to see them be affectionate with one another, which was also really, really great. Um, but then we get to see like this early stage of their relationship um, where like Marceline calls out Bubblegum for all the things we've called out Bubblegum for of you're kind of you're kind of a despot. Um, and all this kind of stuff, which is really great and hitting a lot of those little beats that have always been undercurrents for bubblegum, sometimes a little more text and subtext, depending on the episode, but just the show going like, yeah, no, we know, we know. Um, (laughs) so I really enjoyed all of that. And Simon, this is how I cope. Don't judge me. Oh, Simon, (laughs) dear, sweet Simon. How did all that play for you? Oh, it was lovely. You know, it's just what you want for them. Uh, yeah. And and I like that they don't, you know, try to pretend everything's perfect, right? That they, they've still got a lot of baggage, some of which they've worked through, some of which they haven't. Um, the maturity of the characters and contrasted with, you know, various points of their relationship and when they, you know, met and gotten to know each other. I, I like that they kept jumping through time. Yeah. Uh, and, it, like... Talk about gutting the uh, all the stuff with baby Marcy and her mom. Just uh, just like <laughs> unrelated. But one of my students this week has been uh, was got g- given a bunch of music to learn from Fiddler on the Roof. Okay, and so and so uh, I was trying to explain like the plot, like some of the like stuff that goes on. It's like, and then this is this next song is called Sunrise Sunset, which is the one where uh, all the everybody who's an adult starts crying because how could you not? Because it's so very, very good and powerful. So that's how I felt about about this. Is like all the stuff of Baby Mars. It's like, yep, this is the one where anyone <laughs> who connects to this character at all is crying. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just so, so rough. And just watching as elements of her personality are established mm-hmm. um, in a way, but in a way that doesn't feel simplified, yes. but feels uh, revelatory. Yeah. You know, it, it felt uh, very considered without just explaining away things. It didn't feel tidy. So I really appreciated the care they took with that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point. I think that they really kind of bring out Marceline's personality without, like you said, without retconning anything or without sugarcoating it. Um, even down to the point where it just, yeah, considered is a really good word. So I don't want to add anything. Um, I guess my last thing that I we won't get to for at least in the fourth and final installment of um, Distant Lands, but uh, I, I feel like Finn's been through some stuff since he looks like Wyatt Russell's character in <laughs> Lodge 49. Yeah, he does. He does look like that. Well, but, you know, I was very encouraged by the fact that he does not have a magical, potentially possessed arm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. 
But yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's some question marks there. So I thought it was, it was just the right amount yes. of like, but okay. Um, I was also not emotionally prepared for the base to get destroyed. Oh, neither was I. Both my partner and I just let out the loudest of gas uh, when the axe got destroyed. Just like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. And he was like, but you love that base. It's like, yeah, that's right. These ladies have their priorities straight. Like, normally I would be fighting you so hard. But Bonnie needs me. Uh, it's like, yes, 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 dragon and all, but but your base. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where the hard where the heart is. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot that I really enjoyed about this. I really liked the characters. I really liked the vocal performances. The ridiculous, like, way too convenient ending yes. with with the dragon. I didn't even care. I was like, oh, it's cute, fun. It's so weird, but it. yeah, no, I'll go with it. It's fine. You really want to hit that <laughs> parallel with Marceline? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, and Glassboy, yeah, technically. Yeah. And Glassboy, yeah. Yeah. It, well, and, you know, I, th- I could have taken even more, but it, it would have been a different episode, but I, I could have taken even more with, like, Glassboy's, like, realize all of this happened because you guys are so terrible in your entire society that he's willing to risk all everything's destruction so that you won't tease him anymore, yeah. so that you won't shun him. Like, it's a pretty damn strong indictment. Um, yeah. So I, I thought, I thought it, the, the way it all came together was really nice. And I really enjoyed that episode. Um, uh, our next show here is Great Pretender season two, Wizard of the Far East is the title of this last heist. Now this is the end of Great Pretender, right? Almost certainly. These yeah. Nine episodes? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I've watched the first four. We're going to discuss the show in whole, I think next week. Um, so basic premise is that Makoto once again decides to try to go straight. Um, and cuts ties with uh, Laurent and Cynthia and Abigail. And you get a little recap um, at the beginning of the first episode, kind of fill fill you back in about where everything was and who all these people are. And so he decides to go straight. He starts working for this import-export company uh, that he's very excited about. And hey, it turns out the import-export company is kind of shady. Like, by kind of shady, I mean really, 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 really shady and really, really, really terrible. Um, who could have thought? Who could have thought? Did, now, did Laurent set him up with this job so that he'd be their inside guy? Um, so, yeah, basically, you find out that Laurent steered him to this company passively in that very Laurent passive-aggressive way of he yeah. overheard some people talking about import-export companies. He got seated with, like, magazines that were left by people Laurent hired, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, but he, Makoto figures this out really quickly, thankfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so yes, they've been they they were targeted. Makoto becomes the inside man again. Um, they've saved basically the worst possible target for last here. Um, for and it becomes really clear about what this episode's prior, this chunk's priorities are. As we expected, we do this is a Laurent story to a certain degree. Um, because we get a lot of Laurent backstory starting with episode four, and then it really kicks in in episode five, I believe, based on the preview. But this is also a really Makoto-driven set of set of episodes as well. So both Makoto and Laurent are really front and center um, as the focus for what, at least right now, um, Makoto really dominates the first four episodes. And I think the back 
half are going to be very Laurent driven because we get um, peeks into Laurent's background, uh, his childhood, his teenagehood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's where we left off. So starting episode five, I think Laurent's a little more forward in the narrative. But it's still really good. It's still really stylish. Um, but it is also a little more depressing <laughs> than the previous season, previous heists have been. Um, uh, just because of the nature of the criminals uh, in this import-export business. And if you can guess, based on them being import-export business, you can probably guess what they do. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but you can you can guess. Um, it's, it feels pretty obvious what it has to be, but let's not speculate on that. We'll talk about it next week when I've had a chance to see it. Yeah, so, but it's good. I'm enjoying it, and I'm really excited to watch the final five um, and talk about it with you, because um, it's a, it should be a good, solid nine-episode arc to wrap up the show. Good. Well, yeah, that's really encouraging, the fact that it's... Because I was like, nine episodes is too many just for Laurent, even, like, though he's the mysterious head of this thing. But, like, knowing that it, it's we're getting back to some good stuff from Makoto, or I assume it's good, but, like, centri- like centering him and where he's at, I think yes. is... A, very good call and tying that in with Laurent that's how you get to the nine episodes that makes a lot more sense and so yep. I'm actually pretty excited to watch it now I was sort of like yeah I'll watch it when it comes out you know that'll be fun I, I enjoyed the first half um, but now I'm much more I am anticipating uh, it much more eagerly yeah I was very surprised by the Makoto arc that we get across the first four episodes um, it's really solid and it makes a lot of sense um, and character-wise, I think it works really, really well. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts about it. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited to finish this um, arc. Okay. Well, how excited are you for the return of some of our season one favorites on The Mandalorian for Chapter 12, The Siege? Uh, and also, listeners, we got our problems with Gina Carano. Um, and, you know, <laughs> her decision to go over to Parlor is just, you know, tip of the iceberg. Uh, we're going to leave that to the side here. <laughs> But yeah, that, know that that is there. I try. I try not. I try to not let that affect my viewing of the episode um, as best as I could. But so let's just focus on just the text. But what, what did you think of the siege? I really didn't like this episode. Like I kind of actively hated this episode um, for any number of reasons. Carano's presence kind of like was distraction for me because I kept thinking about it, even though like I wasn't trying to. But it was just like it was there, and I just went. You're just awful. Um, but that aside, the episode itself is just kind of bad. Um, not kind of bad, it is bad. I think that a lot of it for me boils down to the while the fact that The Mandalorian is not well written, it's at least written in a way that is entertaining. And this episode is poorly written and not entertaining. A lot of the dialogue just boils down to, what if I take 30 years off your sentence? Well, what if I add 30 years to your sentence? And that's basically the entire, like, quip exchange for the entire episode. Um, and it's never funny um, at all. Um, Carl Weathers and Bobby Moynihan are doing their best, but it just never gets off the ground for me. And so much of this episode feels really heavy on setup. And I feel like we've done four episodes of setup at this point, and I don't want any more setup. It's very much a, yeah, no, Moff Gideon's still alive. Oh, no, surprise. We all knew that. But, I mean, uh, Mando needed to know that. But then it's just the other stuff of, like, the clone troopers or getting the M-cells, the midichlorians, and, like, putting that piece into place. Um, It was just a lot of, like, more table setting, and I'm tired of table setting um, with the show so I'm ready for the show to kind of kick into a gear 
um, now that hopefully his ship is fixed, that or the show will be fixed, basically. Um, but I did enjoy getting more Appa. Um, it's just like more. Okay, great. He's just going to stick around off and on for the rest of the show and season, I guess. Here for it. I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, I didn't really enjoy this episode. The action sequence uh, set piece with the the um, the trooper transport was fine, but it just nah, it just this episode just really didn't do a whole lot for me. How did you feel about it? Well, I liked it more than you did, but it's, yeah, it has a lot of those. I had a lot of the same issues. Um, I, I think the speeder bike portion of the chase was pretty cool, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, you got to be more invested, and uh, for that to hit in the same way, um, and I just don't think it's all that entertaining to watch our heroes bully someone into risking their life. Yeah, I don't think that's funny or cute, um, and and or entertaining. You know, like so they need to do more work to sell that part of it. Uh, Weathers, I mean, like the actors. he's very good right so he's making a lot of stuff work that shouldn't at least making it work more but um and i just always just think you gotta stew going every time every time but um the uh the part uh, you know it did feel very much like here's how watch us threat like when they did the previously on and we saw you know those characters from the from the first episode i was like oh wait seriously we're doing we're doing this okay it was like Answers I didn't need. Answers to questions I wasn't asking, basically. And uh, I guess if this is something that they need to establish for later on in the season, we'll see. I mean, the end of the season really pays that off in a satisfying way or introduces um, elements that rely on this that are good. Then, you know, it'll certainly benefit the episode in hindsight. But um, mostly it just felt like fitting pieces into place in a way that didn't offer enough new to get you to not care about that. Like the previous episode handed you Titus Welliver as your bad guy and, and uh, Katie Sackhoff as, you know, a beloved live action, a live action version of a beloved animated character. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there was a lot of there, there to distract you as you just watched like pew, 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 pew. (laughs) And this episode did not have that in the same way. So they tried to do that with the returning characters, but it's still like, you need something new, and repeating old beats is not going to distract you from the the uh, the setup of it all. However, watching Baby Yoda steal macaron is something I will happily do. Which um, you can buy from William and Sonoma for $50. I kid you not. Seriously? Yes. You can buy a pack of 12 of those cookies for 50 bucks from William, William Sonoma. They're just like blue macarons, right? Yeah, like that's all they that's are. All they, are. they are. You can see the feet. They're just blue macarons. Yeah. Make them yourself. They're like buy a thing of almonds and ground the crap out of it, or almond flour from the store, and like egg whites and like two other things. Pipe it, bash it against the counter to get all the air bubbles, and bake. Yeah, come on. Yep, but pack of twelve, fifty bucks. Wow, wow. Okay. Support your local businesses. They must taste amazing for 50 bucks. (laughs) Sure. I am certain, Noel, that the good people at Williams-Sonoma would not be overcharging for a, you know, product that ends up being faulty or not worth the money. Certainly. That is not my personal experience. Um, Yeah. They won't make you vomit up blue stuff. Yeah. Well, 
I, I do think they are handling uh, some of the, the, the baby Yoda stuff a little bit better this time. But yeah. uh, oh, the whole thing yeah. with him doing the wires in the crawl space, just no, yeah. the, the red one. And then you put it where the blue one was. And it's just like, oh, oh, it's just like, this is very good. And it's, I'm here for this kind of stuff. Good. This is why I watch this show. <laughs> well, and just like, the, like uh, it was worth trying. Yeah. <laughs> to try. It's like it was a terrible idea, but at least now I've confirmed that won't work. <laughs> oh well. Um yeah, so we'll see what happens next. There's only a few episodes left, right? I I feel like we're probably we halfway through the season. I don't know how many episodes we're getting this season, so Okay. We have at least let me, let me do a quick, oh yeah, we have eight this season. Yeah, so, so we're halfway through. We're halfway. Okay. Well, I imagine we're getting to Ahsoka Tano pretty soon, so we will see what happens with that. But for now, let's head on to our next episode, Superstore Prize Wheel. And I just wanted to mention this because I had misunderstood. I thought that Cheyenne was going to be the new Amy. Clearly, no. Glenn is still the new Amy. Yeah, no. At least for now. Yeah. And then is Cheyenne the new Glenn? Cheyenne is the new Glenn, yes. Because Glenn, okay. Glenn took over as floor manager when Amy got promoted to store manager. Because Dina doesn't want to be store manager. She's very happy being yes. assistant manager. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, so Cheyenne has Amy's old job, so she's the store manager. Okay. Cheyenne is not ready to be store manager. Absolutely not. Are you no, kidding she's me? Not. Glenn's yeah. barely yeah. ready to be store manager. <laughs> That's very true. Um, okay. I, I did like watching Mateo go mad with power. That was fun. Yeah. Um, did you have other elements to this episode? I mean, like, of course, like, the... Of course, Glenn is the first one exposed to COVID. Yes. And, and is the, the, like, of course. Um... It was, there was some good stuff here. I, I enjoyed this episode. It was another fun one. Um, and just the, like, we'll try to get people to come to the store with prizes um, felt very on point. Did you have any other takeaways from this? We got a lot of Jonah content here. We did get a lot of Jonah content here. And I liked how the specter of Jonah's father is able to loom in this episode without being, like, physically present. Um, that whole thing with a informational interview. Um, it's just like, oh, this this is this is rough. Like, Jonah, what did you expect this to be? Um, you sweet baby. I know you're in a little bit of a tailspin right now. And this is really just going to make it worse. Um, but, woof. Um, yeah, that was that that was, that was was rough to watch. But uh, Feldman's just so good. He's just really, really good in this show. But he's really good in that scene where he just, that dawning epiphany of, oh, this isn't anything. I'm not qualified for anything anymore. Oh, boy. Oh boy, um, was really great to watch. Um, I also I did enjoy the opening with just everyone being like, "Lynn, you need to go home and stay away from us." Um, <laughs> she seemed fine at choir practice yesterday, which is which I is I'm sure for a lot of people it was a little like pointed, but for me I appreciated how pointed that it's was. It's not at all. Yeah. Oh man, it's not pointed. It was like based on the things I'm seeing people post, uh, the, the my Facebook friends post about like that. Like, more, like, acquaintances, I would say, than friends, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, no, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> that feels just right. Yeah. Very accurate for the experiences that uh, lots of people seem to be having this year. Well, you say that, but the Supreme Court basically just ruled, ruled that New York's uh, religious closures are unconstitutional. So. Yeah. Yeah, they did. So. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Woo! 2020! Yeah, no, this is not a Supreme Court discussion blog, but boy, those opinions were something else. Um, I encourage you to seek those out, um, considering that they're just 
coming for each other in their opinions now, which is yep. weird to see. The mayor! <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But this was a good episode. This was a good episode though. This is a good so episode. Sure. Let's move on. Let's it's too depressing. Uh for, for our purposes right now at least. Let's talk about the amazing race and are you a rickshaw? And this is not payback, this is karma. Um so this is our Megaleg in India. I actually really liked the Megaleg. Yes. It's the first time they've done it on the show. I'm curious what you thought about it. I liked the choice of Hyderabad. Like the fact that they just stay in the ones like this is a big city. There is a lot we can do here. Yeah. Let's just double up. I really liked that. And um I I did feel bad for the blondes. For the Blonde Bandits, I am curious what you think about it. I feel like you shouldn't be able to yield the same team twice in one episode, the way that you can't U-turn the same team. Mm-hmm. Like, when they do those double U-turns, they kind of, or just, you can't penalize the same team twice in a row. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about that? I totally and wholeheartedly agree with you. I think it kind of breaks things a little bit. Um, but that's that's poor gameplay design, which is... Another issue that I kind of had with the um, Turbine VR challenge uh, yeah. was bad gameplay design. Um, How were they supposed to tell, like, n- nothing in the VR thing looked bright pink? Mm-hmm. Like, they should have been able to match those better. Yeah, yeah. so that entire co- that entire concept was, like, it was poor, poor game design. And I think allowing teams to yield the same team twice, um, especially in a row when you're basically just being like, this is your last chance to use it. Um, and no one's going to yield anyone else. Um, that it was just like, this is not okay. Um, and yeah, it's bad design. However, um, and this is this is less of a however, more of a, those two women are just the goodest of good sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, just their whole, their whole adventure has just been squeaking by. Um, and getting lucky, but also just having the best possible attitude about getting f***ed over by everyone else on this show. Um, and it was just really nice to watch them be like, yeah, no, we refuse to give you, we refuse to do the villain edit here. We're not going to give you any material for that. So we're going to be really good about this. We're going to be like, well, that's just what happens. We're going to enjoy this 20 minutes sit down <laughs> we get um and then we're gonna be like this was a great experience we really appreciated being here thank you phil um and then off camera probably being like those assholes i'm going to murder all of them um oh when when they're like wait there's a name they have a name for this alliance are you kidding me that was so good when there's yes yes there's a name for them those they're great people and we love them very much we can't wait for to clap for them when they all come running down in the final leg. We're going to knife them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree that doing the mega leg was really cool. And doing it in this one city was also really, really good. Um, because the city, like you said, the city's large enough um, and has enough in it to do that there's plenty of good stuff in it. So I enjoyed it. Um, and I enjoyed the challenges across them, aside from the ones with the VR stuff, because I felt the augmented reality stuff, I should say um was just stupid but the rest of it I see I liked the challenge yeah. I liked like having to identify the turban and figure out the placement like I thought that was a good design my issue was with the sometimes they'll show up and sometimes they won't and like it, it, so it it seemed very similar to the painting thing right. except that sometimes the paintings aren't there huh? and there's no rhyme rhyme or reason seemingly to when the paintings will be there that I had a problem with. 
yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah. So, um, what did you think about the, I was, <laughs> how happy do you think that our uh, software siblings were that they finally got a challenge that was actually about software engineering to a certain degree? <laughs> very happy and then they like were not all that great at it well no they were fine with the decoding thing it was just playing the video game part that they actually yeah. struggled real hard with but a number of people did like hung and she had to like play it like 13 times and then just stopped and went to go do mm-hmm. the other one which was smart um because they were getting nowhere yeah. fast well, I kept waiting for the beard beard bros to like notice that they were gonna leave and then tell them about the two hands thing, which was really smart. Yes. That was a very good call. Yeah. Um, and then that didn't happen because uh, I was definitely worried about them getting eliminated this episode. No, that was really good because those motion, those kind of motion, motion control things are really are gonna read everything. So like keeping your hands contained was actually a really really smart idea. Um, yeah, I felt like okay. Granted, it's much easier when you're sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Obviously. I did feel kind of judgmental about how long it seemed to take some of the people to decode the, the binary. Uh, it's like, like I wanted to just be like, okay, so first you just like write it all down and then you break it into there all this number of things, right? So I just like the, the, the structure in order nerd in my yeah. brain that like enjoys making spreadsheets was, was a little like, but aren't you guys supposed to be the coders? Why is this taking you so long? First, identify all the spaces. Like, start with that. The first thing you do is you figure out where all the spaces are, and then you know how long your words are, and then you build in. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, it's much easier when you're not, when you're just sitting comfortably on your couch being like, I would do awesome at that challenge. I would have been terrible at the first half of that challenge. Let me be very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I I definitely would have preferred to have done the binary than the directions things, just because I'm terrible at directions. Um yeah. Um, the other, my only other note about this is, how do you go on the Amazing Race and not know what a rickshaw is? Like, I feel like that's just fundamental to the Amazing Race experience. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're just thinking like literally old timey person with a cart rickshaw. Yeah. Like, but yeah, like like keep your eyes on the people who co- went to India every summer as kids who keep calling for autos, guys. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know. But um, it was nice to see them in their element a little bit and feeling like, because they, they've been towards the back of the pack, and so they haven't been getting as much help from the Alliance as the other people have been. Um, and so to watch them have that boost of confidence, both from being in India and, you know, having spent time in India and therefore having an advantage compared to the other teams that way, and then also having, like, at least something computer-related that they, could, you know, felt like, as opposed to all the times they've been trying to stretch what engineering was to say that it was, like, to suit their, you know, skill set. I'm an engineer. I know how to build a cello, buddy. No, you don't. Stop. No, stop saying no. this. <laughs> You're an engineer. You are not a luthier. It's very different. It's a very different thing. Um, yeah. So, I, but it was nice to see them kind of more into the swing of things. I'm curious for you. Well, first of all, that over this every day of the week, because uh, this was super cool, like great to watch, but like, no, thank you. Searching through that giant pile of bangles, that clearly took forever. And, and that, like, yeah, you're sticking your fingers in someone's mouth. It's not great, but deal with it. You're on the amazing race. You're trying to win a million dollars. I like. I was so with Hung and Chi. When it was, I think it was, it was, it was the mom. Right? It was like kids are disgusting. Let me just tell you. Yeah. So like, this is nothing. 
Yeah. Whereas nothing compared to having kids. I would have definitely just done the bracelets. So, um, uh-huh. yeah. So mainly because like getting that mixture for the mold seemed really difficult um, initially, or especially like taking it out and putting it in. Um, but I mean, it probably would have taken less time than the bracelets, but I don't know. Yeah. It was hard to tell from the edit because people were doing both of them relatively quickly based on the edit. So, yeah. No. Well, and then my last question for you is how are you feeling about all this Alliance stuff? Now the mine five, we've got the, the main three. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with the main three. What do you think? I mean, I'm over the boyfriends. Um, uh-huh. I'm just over them. Um, I don't want them to win because part of it's just because they've been doing so well for so long. It's just like, I'm kind of over them winning, um, or doing well enough. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm over the Alliance, but I, and I don't feel bad for the football players. (laughs) No, though, uh, it was Gary, right? Did actually say something helpful. Yeah. This time, which is something. Yes, it's true. But (laughs) It, it didn't feel like a, oh, I will help you as part of our alliance. It felt more of like, a, oh, you do this. Just like, like when, when Hung and Chi were like continuing to help the, um, the, uh, the, the football players just out of instinct of being nice yeah. and then going, damn it, why did I do that? It felt more like that than like a strategic choice. Um, I'm here for the intrigue. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen in the next chunk. But yeah, right now I'm, st- I'm still with Hung and Chi. You know, that's my Same. my go-to is like, we've got parents, kids are expensive. I'm going to root for them. That's sort of where I'm at right now. But we'll, we'll see if that shifts. Yeah, no, I'm rooting for them as well. Yeah. Our last episode here is the Great British Bake Off uh, Patisserie, which is the semifinal. And you also know, I was rooting for Hermine, team hashtag team Hermine all the way. And uh, she's eliminated. Yeah. It's rough. Um, And again, I don't appreciate, and you alluded to this, I don't appreciate the edit and the discussion of the judges' discussion about this because it's just like, it's very clear that she was going to go home. Some of her cakes were... It's not a toss-up. Yeah, it wasn't a toss-up. Some of her cakes were inedible. They were a rubber ball. Um, When you serve a rubber ball cake, it doesn't matter how bad Laura's cakes look. They tasted delicious. Cake, yeah. Then yeah. there's still cake. Yeah. Um. So I was just like, this just sucks. Uh, because like you, I was very much wanting her to go all the way for this. Um. And while I would normally continue to root for Laura, I also know Laura is not going to win because <laughs> she just can't yeah. get her presentation together. Um. She's not going to win because she can't get a presentation together, but also because I don't think she's been so close to eliminated and then not eliminated while while a fan favorite was eliminated that she would have to nail everything for the producers to give her the win and not feel like they were going to get a big backlash Mm -hmm. because the number of times that Laura got saved, Um, especially going into the final with Peter being such a favorite. And I'm sure there are, I mean, Dave has been, uh, I'd call him the dark horse. Um, this season in my review over at the AV club, but um, he, I'm sure he's got a, a fan base as well. And it seems like he's making very uh, delicious food. I, you know, as I thought back on the season, looking at who the final three are like, well, when I'm picking pictures for my write-ups over at the AV club, I very often had either a Dave or a, a Peter or both for like, cause I usually it's like one or maybe two for each round. Yeah. 
um, that I do. And as I was thinking back, yeah, usually it's been one of them because their stuff looks the best. Might not always taste the best, but it looks the best. And when, you know, I don't want to use pictures of people not achieving their goal, you know, which is why I haven't used some of these other ones, even if I like the bakers more or like, I think that would be a particular, like that's the one I would want to eat, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, while Dave was definitely nowhere near what I would have anticipated as one of the final three, I can't really argue with it because right. I mean, like some of that stuff was del- like that chocolate thing, celebration of chocolate. Yes, please. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like his he's been very he stumbled a little bit early on, but he just kind of has been really consistent um, in terms not maybe not doing like big wow things in some of the ways that the rest of the contestants are doing, but he's really consistent. And he he knows exactly what he needs to do. And I think that's really the thing about him is that he doesn't overreach. He stays very much within a brief, within a time frame, and he sticks to that. And he just does that thing very, very well, which is definitely a way to continue to go really far, which he has. He's in the final. Um, I do think, and I was talking with a friend of the show, Corey Barker about this, is that Peter's feeling a little cocky right now. Um mm-hmm. He's feeling he's pride go with it all. Yeah, he's feeling pretty solid about his chances of winning this whole thing. And I just went, Oh, Peter, you are severely underestimating Dave right now. And I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll be, uh I will look forward to our conversation next week after the final. Um the I'm curious what you think about this. I have noticed a distinct trend this season of bakers doing really well mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, melting down, having a bad week, and getting eliminated yes. way earlier than we expect them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if that is just a fluke, or if that is something that might be because of the the um, production this time being like in the bubble and not getting as much rest, and and some of them are away from their families and everything. Because uh, it seems like that like that happens sometimes, but it seems like it's happened. Oh, quite a bit like a lot this season yeah no i and i've been i've been banging that drum a little bit as in our discussions of i legitimately do think that this compressed six weeks sh- shooting schedule for this season probably resulted in some wear and tear on the bakers um because these are it's really important that these are not professional chefs these are not people used to working long hours and endless hours in a kitchen a la top chef or even doing like a long day of shooting on something like Chopped, where, again, professional chefs used to being on their feet. Sure, they get tossed weird curveballs on Chopped, but that's what they're paid and trained to do. Not the case with this. So I do think that the bubble and the shooting schedule were probably causing some of this wear and tear um to just kind of build up, which is why I do agree with you that there's just been a longer spat of, I just had a really bad week more of those as opposed to just kind of everyone did okay just we kind of had to split hairs and it's just like this t- i feel like there's been less hair splitting despite the judges discussion and the because it's always been i think really clear who lost in each episode yeah certainly in this last uh several episodes yeah yeah definitely at the beginning of the season i feel like and here at the end it's also been very much that um so yeah i i said this in my uh write-up over adv club but i so want there to be a all returning season Mm -hmm. 
so that Hermine can come back on a regular schedule because I guarantee you there's no way she goes out on patisserie week if she has a week in between to practice her bakes. Right, exactly. Because, like, there's there's no way. there. Like, when she's, like, you could tell something was off when she's, like, free freewheeling and, like, oh, I guess we'll use this much gelatin? Gelatin in your mousse? Hermine, what has happened to you? <laughs> That's not a thing you can do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I was just like, I was, it was very, it was, you know, it was the right elimination. And I felt, I felt so bad for Laura because of the way that the editors and producers and specifically Paul mm-hmm. chose to frame the elimination because it makes it seem like Laura did not deserve to be in the final. And she absolutely does based on their comments when when they're eating the food, absolutely, like, yeah, it's not close. Yeah, no, absolutely, because yeah, her her presentation very consistently has been terrible, but her food tastes really good, and that's kind of what matters ultimately. Most like that'll edge you out, um, as it should, because it's a it's a eating and baking competition. That's the most important thing. Well, do you have a favorite going into the final? I mean, I want Laura. I, Laura is my favorite. Like, I am here for Laura. Huh. Laura is not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you're like, I would love for Laura to nail everything in yes. win. And, like, undi- be the undisputed champion. That would yes, be great. Yes, that's what I... That In my hearts of hearts, that's what I want. My hearts of hearts say that Dave's probably going to win. Um, okay. Just, that's my bet is where I would put money on is Dave winning. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, you already know. So. So I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. So more on this next week. What was your week in TV? Uh, DuckTales had a really solid episode. Uh, Michelle Gomez shows up as Matilda and just slays it. Like, this is the most mm-hmm. I think I've liked Michelle Gomez in anything so far. Um, it's just a really good vocal performance. Um, and this episode also lets uh, Gina Carlo Esposito be a little weird and zany, which is also not something that shows allow him to do anymore because of Breaking Bad. But... He's allowed to give like a kind of off, slightly more offbeat vocal performance for Phantom Blot here. And it's really funny and it's really good. And the episode in general is also really, really solid. But I think what wins my week is going to be, yeah, I'm going to give it to Obsidian this week. Um, yeah, I'll give it to Obsidian this week. What about you? Yeah, I think that's what I have to go with too. I did really enjoy watching Amazing Race this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, Bake Off was hard to watch it just because like the episode starts out so well and then just you when you realize what's happening it just gets more and more sad so i feel bad but no not giving it to big off uh yeah it's not like it's particularly great amazing race even but i did really it was like just the right kind of tv for me like after i had a double day of teaching it was a very long day of teaching um and so to just like check off turn off my brain have some dinner and watch amazing race was really great but the ones that are going to linger with me is definitely Obsidian. So Adventure Time, Distant Lands. So that's what wins my week in TV as well. Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer for the We Bear Bears movie, and be right back for our DVD shelf on We Bear Bears. We'll be right back after this. Places, everybody. Places. Panda. You ready for your close-up? I guess. Little bro. Ice Bear born ready. It's showtime. Ow. Huh? I said ow. Finally, a friend my size. But with stripes. Alike. That's the best part! 
we do? Yeah, it's endearing. You've got a bear problem, and I'm a problem solver. Agent Trout, Department of National Wildlife Control. Ah! The sickest thing these bears do, they stack. Ice bear senses impending doom. A trout guy wants to throw us in bear jail. Come out with your paws up. What now, Grizz? We can start a new life in Canada. They love bears. Just look at this picture. Being ice bear shouldn't be a crime. Woo! I'm gonna check and see if there's any cool stops coming up. After those bears. What do we do? Sir, we're humans. Trick I use to tell the difference is noting the lack of fur and cute little ears. <laughs> Don't worry, we always figure it out. Together, bros for life. These bears are a threat to the natural order. What the heck is that? You guys ready to party? No one's ever asked us to party before. Animal! Drop the beat. Ice bear ready to do or die. That was the trailer for the We Bear Bears movie, um, which aired uh, pretty recently, right? When, when did a couple months ago, a few months ago, a couple months ago. Yeah, um, We Bear Bears is a 15 minute long with commercials, so like 11, 12 minute long yeah. uh, animated show uh, that was on Cartoon Network. Had four seasons, but the first two seasons have. 20-something episodes, and then the the last two seasons have 40-something episodes. And the episode lists are different depending on where you watch them. Yep. So it can be a little confusing. So it's a four-season show, but there's like 150 episodes or something. A lot of episodes. And I've seen all of season one and season two, about a third of season three, and just a smattering of season four. I intended to try to watch it all, listeners, um, but then this week hit me like a truck with a bunch of work. So uh, I, I I was doing great in my prep for the first two seasons and start of the third, and then I just had to do a smattering. So thank you, Noel, for giving me a list of episodes sure. that I could uh, dip, make sure to dip in with. Um, you wanted to talk about the show, you know, cause, and then it get me to, got me to watch it because um, I've been meaning to check it out for a long time. I know it has a very uh, significant um, place in your heart because it's a show that you and your partner started watching together, um, and uh, and I absolutely can see how, like, this would be a really charming show for that. You know, like, I, I think it's a really terrific show. It did not hit me as strongly as it has hit you. Sure. But I don't have that context for right. it, so I think that only makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I was very, I was very uh, enamored of the show, particularly uh, Ice Bear is Best. Ice Bear is Ice Best. Ice Bear is the Best Bear. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of fun with it, but I, I think they create a really delightful world, and it's a really, like... It doesn't do the serialization and the, like the arcing that something like a Steven Universe does, which that I tend to be more drawn into that style of storytelling. But if I just want like a standalone fun show to watch, this is great. <laughs> it's so fun. And uh, as you have said in the podcast in the past, when they decide they're going to go for the feels, they hit you in the gut. Like they do in the movie. Yeah. They are not pulling any punches. And... Uh, <laughs> They're like, we're not going to end this movie, honestly. That would be too depressing. So instead, we're going to end this with a big action rescue. They go viral, and now they can all stay. And this is set, the ending is set in a different future. Um, 
And doesn't, don't we all wish that was the future we were in right now? Fingers crossed for 2021. Um, I, I was very charmed. I really enjoyed this. And I do very much recommend that people check out We Bear Bears if you are looking for a delightful, fun, creative animated show to, to like round out your viewing. Yeah. And I, I want to pick up on something that you said about it not being serialized and, and being very kind of episodic. And I think that you are absolutely correct. And it's one of the reasons the show works as well as it does. The other reason that, that we bear bears is such a comfort food type of show is that it is a classically structured, albeit compressed animated sitcom. Like it's just a sitcom mm-hmm. and it wears yeah. those influences on its sleeve, um, like in big neon colors, uh, which is one of the reasons why I really love We Bear Bears, because despite it being about three bears that live in a cave in the unspecified San Francisco Bay Area, um, even though they routinely mention that they're in the Bay Area sometimes, and but it's, mm-hmm. it's San Francisco, <laughs> um, <laughs> that it just wholeheartedly embraces the idea of being a sitcom which I really love like you and you get references to other sitcoms. Like there was an episode where they decide to work at a cupcake kiosk, which is just an, I love Lucy homage. Um, and a really well done. I love Lucy homage, um, to the chocolate, to the chocolate factory episode, which is, which is a beautiful episode of television. But here they just like go, they just kind of expand it a little bit because there's three of them and there are different things that they have to do because the world is different. But you get that kind of thing. You get episodes where they trade rooms and then they trade personalities as a result, um, which is a very sitcom thing to do. There's a whole episode about getting all the stuff for a wedding and the groom being kind of nervous about his wedding. And hey, guess what? It's all another sitcom episode type of deal. (laughs) So they really rely heavily on those sitcom tropes of the 70s, 80s, and 90s while making them feel really fresh in this context of being about three bears in a contemporary society with various degrees of technology and really digging into this idea of what does technology mean to our lives kind of deal when they really engage in technology because the bears are really concerned with social media and becoming like influencers and everything. Um, so I really love the ways they integrate this very old school kind of approach to telling comedic stories while doing a lot of new contemporary settings for those stories. So even if it didn't have that kind of special place for me as a show that I watched with my partner in the very beginning of our relationship, it was still going, I was still going to, when I got around to watching it, I was still going to, I think, really respond to it because of how really beautifully structured and how it becomes this really great amalgamation of things I really, really like. Um, So for me, this is a really great show to watch, um, particularly right now. Um, But it's also like a great show to watch with everyone, I think, as well. Like if you can get over the barrier of it being animated and for kids, air quotes, because some of this stuff is just deeply deep. It's not as like deeply adult as like Steven Universe or Adventure Zone. Um, It doesn't hail adult viewers as much, but it's much more subtler about that, I think. Um, But there's still just, there's something here for everyone. Yeah. When you're talking about the sitcoms, like 70s, 80s, and 90s, it actually, I thought of The Office Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very much so. And the way that for what seems like at least 
a generation, if not multiple generations, the office has become the, like the new friends as far as like a show. Yes. Like you'll just put on any episode of and just like, or just like leave it on Netflix until Netflix goes like, you still here? Um, in a way that I didn't anticipate. Cause uh, I remember back when, uh, I was arguing for the office for like, yeah, and di- different best X episode kind of like lists being like, the office is under, uh, under respected in this, you know, this episode and that episode. And now that like, I feel like actually anything is overrated. Um, I'm in the minority on that one, but the idea of like, cause I have still a bunch of episodes of this to watch. This is a great choice for let's just throw something on. And the fact that it's mostly standalone mm-hmm. lets you just put on whatever episode comes up and enjoy it. And there is enough, like there are some threads and, you know, as you've mentioned before, there are some threads that get picked up and, and carried through, especially starting in season two. And early season three. But for the most part, you can just like, oh, it's a Charlie episode. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a, it reminds me of, oh, this is going to be a Kramer episode. Or, right, exactly. Oh, this is a Dwight episode, you know. Uh, and so they have this, like, this cast of supporting characters um, that they get to really flesh out their world with. So whether it's Charlie or whether it's Chloe or whether it's Taves, like, there's this really fun, like, let's let's just go off on an adventure energy to the show and without the world crushing stakes that eventually come with Steven Universe that you can just like put it on as you're getting ready for bed and enjoy an episode really you know have fun with it and then move on and not feel like you have to watch the next episode if really you should be going to bed now right exactly even though you may want to keep watching just because you don't know what kind of a surprise is waiting for you in that little 11 minute box um, that's in the next episode. Um, so you mentioned the um, characters that they used to round out their cast. Um, so we've got Chloe, who is a Korean-American prodigy. She's like 11, but she's in college. Um, we've got Tabes, who's a ranger in the park that the bears live in or is ad- live adjacent to. Um, there's Charlie, who is a Bigfoot. Um, and he loves cheesy poofs, and he loves cheesy poofs. And then we've got those are like the three like big ones. Um, but then we have a couple of others that kind of float in and out of the show, like Daryl, who is runs super rad mouse pads, which is just <laughs> so good and pure. And Daryl is so good and pure. Um, but yeah, so talk to me a little bit about like characters that you enjoyed. Like we've mentioned, Ice Bear is the best bear, and we haven't even really talked about the bears. Um, cause we've got Grizz, who is a grizzly bear and we've got Panda, who is a panda bear. Um, and they all three live together in this cave as brothers. They think of themselves as brothers. Um, and that's, that's the whole thing. Um, so like we've, why we've mentioned that Ice Bear is best bear. Why is Ice Bear best bear? Ice Bear is best bear, uh, because he is hilarious and because he gets to underplay everything and he gets to be in the background. So Ice Bear is only best bear because of the dynamics of the of the the three. So if the other two didn't take turns being a lot, we couldn't appreciate his subtle underplaying of things. And there's one episode actually where he gets bonked on the head um, and starts talking a lot more. And it's uh, very upsetting. 
And I think it was an important episode that I watched, but I'm a little, I'm a little angry that it, that was one of the ones I watched because there's so many other ones I could have watched that didn't have Ice Bear just being like, not Ice, not Ice Bear. Yeah. He said like, me and I, he didn't speak in third person. It was very upsetting, listeners. <laughs> um, so it's because he is, he's the cool, mysterious one who's just like up to his own shenanigans and off like... Souping up his his um, little Roomba vacuum cleaner, DJ DJ Roomba, right <laughs> vacuum cleaner, so that he c- it can be a, a helipad for him. No, sorry, a, a hover pad for him as he goes to the grocery store and you know gets into these uh, you know d- scratches away layers of the surface and you find out about his you know world trotting adventures with the local barista who who may or may not have a connection to his past. Um, like it's just because it's a it's this. It's the underplaying character, understated character. You get to just enjoy the subtler background stuff that he's doing, and so that's why Ice Bear is best bear. And when he does say something, it tends to be delightful. Yeah, it's true. Um, which isn't to discount Grizz and Panda, who I think are also really great. But like you say, they were both a lot depending on the episode. Um, but by design. Um, and I think I was talking about this with my partner because we were. D- we were discussing the fact that we were going to, you and I were going to talk about it. And like, I think the show hits a really delicate mark. And she pointed this out of the fact that we can like Panda, despite the fact that he has some weirdly unhealthy, like relation. Oh yeah. It's just like, it's bad. Uh, his kind of obsession with finding a girlfriend and being liked. Um, but the show hits a really like fine balance act of not making that awful and really ruining the character. But you also go, this is, you need help, Panda. You need, like, a little bit of therapy to, like, kind of... You need to do some self-care work kind of here as well. Um, Which I think, going back to this idea of sitcom tropes, kind of steers them slightly away from that Lothario or wannabe Lothario stock character um, into something slightly more nuanced, but still you kind of go, that's not the best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do a good job of of showing him really wanting a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. really wanting a a, a significant other, but not so much. He's not, he, it never feels like he is um, being a, like like predatory and how he's approaching people. It always is like, he's very much looking for someone to make him feel better. And like, he's looking for, he's, he's channeling his energy that he should be spending and being confident in himself into this other thing because he thinks like you know if, if I if I get a girlfriend then they'll like me right so that should mean that I'll like myself yes it's very it's very clear that that's what's happening and so it, be, it doesn't feel like there's not an element of conquest here there's not an element of using the girlfriend for status yeah. so much as just like a you know like it's very clear that what he's doing is not he's not doing it um because he doesn't respect or care about women and just wants validation. He's doing it because he's, because he doesn't have high enough self-esteem. Um, so, which isn't great, yeah. which is why it's like, Hey, you should maybe get some therapy there. Um, but it, on the scale of what we tend to see in sitcoms like this, it tends to, we tend to see the character who's always on looking for a girlfriend as someone who is looking to like get, like a, a sense of conquest yeah. rather than someone who is genuinely looking for a partner. Yes. He seems like he is genuinely looking 
for a partner and he doesn't realize that he's not going to find one until he is more comfortable with himself. Exactly. And the sh- like, like, yeah. And the show does a really good job of balancing that, I think, um, without it feeling overplayed as well, since it's a lot of pandas plots tend to kind of focus on that. Yeah. Um, and then there's Grizz who is just the brightest, most eager of boys. Um, and loves action movies, the Crowbar Jones f- fan films. Um, yeah, I wouldn't call him the brightest. No, no, no like not, not not in the brightest of like smart boys. Just he yeah. glows a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think of him that way. Okay. I, I think of him because he he he's very excited about the stuff he's excited about. Absolutely, hundred percent. And his his love of action films is delightful. Um, he's uh, but because I always I also just very much think of him as very very slovenly and very sedentary. Sure. At the same time, so right. he goes between being very active, which makes sense. He's a grizzly bear, right? Yeah. He's the only bear of them that hibernates. Yes. Um, oh, God, that episode as they about discover. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but he goes back and forth between v- super engaged mm-hmm. and then super disengaged. Yeah. Um, but he's he's definitely the leader of the group. He's definitely the one who gets them into and out of uh, adventures. Um, unless it requires physical acumen, in which case it is always ice bear. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Because it, it seems like a very deliberate choice to not have them, to not take advantage of their physical size and strength mm-hmm. to not code them as bears yeah. in their situations. Uh, I'm curious how you, what you thought about that. But we, I think we see that mostly with, with Grizz uh, because he's the one who gets into the adventures where just go at them and you'll be fine mm-hmm. would work, but he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think a lot of that boils down to the fact that especially with Grizz and Ice Bear, like, Grizzly bears are scary, and ice and polar bears are legitimately the scariest among the scariest animals on the planet. Land land Um, animals, yeah, yeah. um, Polar bears are just almost as like as dangerous as moose. Um, Yeah, and they're just ruthless killing machines. Um, And I think that you have to avoid that for a kids show. Um, But um, the ways in which like. I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that Grizz's default is empathy um, and support. And that's what makes the big thing uh, is like he really cares about supporting people um, no matter what. And that's what he really kind of focuses on, which is why I really like Grizz as well. Ice Bear is best bear, but Grizz is the most like overt, overt, supportive character on the show of you can do anything and I believe in you. Um, maybe you shouldn't be flying that kite in a hurricane, but I believe in you anyway, Wallace. Um, um, which is why he ends up with the Poppy Rangers with Taves so much. Um, like, th- that's his side crew. Um, so I think that that's the reason why, like, that's he doesn't go, err. Instead, he goes, let's have a hug. And it's not going to mm. be a dangerous hug. It's just going to be a hug. Um, so I like all of that. Um, I do want to ask your thoughts about some of the side characters. And I failed to mention Nom Nom, which is a massive oversight. Oh, Nom Nom. Yeah, very important. Um, Nom Nom is an influencer, uh, koala voiced by Patton Oswalt, who's an asshole, but very cute. Oh God. I I mean, I, Chloe, Chloe's my favorite. I love Chloe. Chloe's the best. Chloe's the best. Chloe's number one for me. And then I, early I would have said Nom Nom, but I think after a while I was, I would say Charlie is number two. Then probably Nom Nom, mm-hmm. but I also really like Tapes. Yeah. 
So I think that would be my order. That is basically my order as well, even down to the Charlie thing, because Charlie as a character grew, grew on me. I didn't really like Charlie at the start. Um, yeah. Even though Jason Lee does a terrific vocal performance for Charlie across the board and is zeroed in on the character. I don't think that the writing for Charlie was as structured until a, a couple appearances later. Uh, because like you said, he's very much the Kramer <laughs> of the group. Um, so it takes a little while for them to find that calibration. Whereas I feel like Nam Nam, uh, Chloe, and Tabes are all there from the start. Um, Charlie takes a little bit, and but once they figure out Charlie's tone and his relationship with everyone, particularly with Panda, because each of the supporting characters generally gets paired with another of the bears for their stories. So Charlie and Panda get paired off. Chloe and Ice Bear end up getting paired off for the most part, if it's not a big group and Chloe episode, uh, which is beautiful episode where they go to see the albino alligator. I love that episode. Um, and then uh, Tabes and uh, Grizz, which also makes sense because Grizz and Grizz and Tabes have the same energy. <laughs> they're both up here. They're both up they're here, all the way. Um, yeah, at eleven. Yeah, they're both at eleven, and typically Nom Nom is there to be the foil for all of them because he's an asshole, and no one else on this show is an asshole, with a few glaring exceptions. Um, you, d- I don't think I gave you a Professor Lampwick episode. Um, he... Oh yeah, no, I got it. I, I watched the first Professor okay. Lampwick episode yeah. because I watched all the first two seasons. So, okay. Yeah. Um, he's just a jerk. He's so awful. Um, but everyone else like gets a little pair. So yeah, I know those. I just it's it's really good when they do that kind of stuff. Um, so there are only two more things I kind of want to well talk about with you broad picture type stuff. Um, is one, I kind of want to talk about the show's relationship with technology since it's really centered. Uh, and then we need to talk about the movie in general, I think, um, because the movie is yeah. the movie is radicalizing youths with bears. <laughs> Which is awesome. It's so great. Um, but let's talk about technology a little bit. Um, specifically, like, we got to talk about Googs, man. <laughs> and Smorby. The, the, the show's relationship with technology is one of my favorite things about it. And the the way that they're, like, all obsessed with the social media and, you know, Panda's constantly on dating apps. And um, they, they it just feels very appropriate that each of the characters, so they, they, they don't make Ice Bear somehow above social media, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Ice, Bear, Ice Bear wants to be on TV. <laughs> Ice Bear wants the, wants the clicks, you know, wants the likes or whatever. Um, so I, I like that it feels, you know, because I have a... I, I stopped trying to judge how old they're shooting for them to yeah. be. Uh, I think they intentionally keep that kind of nebulous. But the fact that they are all very drawn to social media, to uh, their, like, influencers, to their, you know, making their everybody tube, everybody's tube channel and getting subscribers and stuff like that in a way, it, like, the three different characters bring different prisms to that, but they're all focused on it in a way that feels generationally appropriate yes. for the audience um, and for the like the designed audience, the, like the preferred audience, but really anybody who's going to be watching an animated streaming you know, at this point, now it's streaming, but like with the way Cartoon Network aired things, a lot of times your most reliable way of watching it was just to, to watch it on the app, right? So their audience 
like this speaks to them and even to I think our generation in a really specific way. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, and I think that they also do a good job of showing the downsides of technology as well, of like yeah. getting too invested in it. Like I love the Googs episode in part for Griffin McElroy's terrific vocal performances, Schmorby. Um, <laughs> so I feel pain. But um, also the thing of, yeah, no, these massive tech conglomerates are bad they're using us is like the core of that episode um but also just gadget lust like when the bear grizz and ice bear get shiny new phones and panda still has his old phone selly and trades it in for a slightly less cool version of the really cool phones and it doesn't do all the stuff um so the ways in which they deal with that or there's an episode where they get a home assistant that basically turns them into wally bears uh, the human version of all the, all the all the humans in Wally, they become those humans, but as bears. Um, there's all these these little elements of how technology is great for connecting, um, but also poses various risks that have to be navigated. And I think that they do a really good job of not doing tech panic episodes, as except where really necessary very specifically in the Googs episode, um, while acknowledging that these are important things for us and that they have good uses. Um, So I really like how the show integrates technology. And like you say, I do think it's like cross-generationally appropriate as well. Um, I realized that there was one other thing that we need to talk about, but I want to save it for after the movie. Um, So how did you feel about the movie, which is not subtle um no about anything (laughs) it's fun and light until it's not and given where the country meaning the united states is at in 2020 um before but even still after the election it's it's necessary for art and culture to not be subtle um and so you know the overhead shot of the bears in the cages as the border is striking and I, and it's also telling that my first thought was, Oh, those cages are too big. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're bears, you know? but yes, but, but they're yeah. too, they're but too yeah. small for bears. They're too big for their points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but even just something that really struck me, first of all, my, uh, Mark Evan Jackson, of course is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the animation style for trout, really stood out to me throughout the movie. Um, specifically when he, they start really hitting their points yeah. in the last half. Like it, like it's like, that's Gaston. That's like in the, in the rainstorm. Yes. That is like, just, it's a different, like the, 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 the look is really effective. And um, yeah, hopefully people who maybe weren't paying attention are watching this and then turning and looking at what's going on in the world around them. And making those connections in the way that, you know, children absolutely and 100% do. Uh, so I think, you know, yes, it's not subtle, but I don't need it to be no. subtle. It's not supposed to be subtle. And um, we, you know, we'll see what happens in January. I look, one of the things I am most looking forward to is what I assume will be a early day, first day executive order getting rid of child uh, family separations um, at the borders. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But currently that is still the law of the land. So this is very important storytelling for kids, for everyone. But like, if we're, if we're radicalizing little, little baby Weber bears, uh, viewers, then that's great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, that, that, that was the thing is like the first half of it is feels like a really standard Wee Bear Bears narrative a little bit. And then you start seeing like the poking, like kind of creeping out. And then by the end, it's very much a, yeah, no, let's talk about immigration, everyone. And let's talk about cultural assimilation and the bears, how the bears actually fit into this human world. Um, and then being really aggressive about, like you said at the top, kind of doing a really quixotic uh hopeful ending that doesn't feel legitimate but anything else other than that would have been not what the show is about so you can't really pivot away from that kind of an ending but it still works really really well i think and the movie's really good um the last thing that i want to talk about anyway is because we haven't talked about the one major format shift that the show sometimes does which is the baby bear episodes And you want to talk about having feels um, right in the heart. The Baby Bear episodes for me are typically where the show really hits you with those. Um, How did you feel about the Baby Bear episodes um, as quasi-origin stories for our brothers? Um, Listeners, the Baby Bear episodes have all three of the bears, but as babies. And they have globetrotting adventures, um, which are all considered canon. And then they just, like, have... But they tend to, like, hit you in the feels real hard because they're babies. They're little baby bears. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you feel about the baby bear episodes that you got to see? They are very cute. They're they're fun. I like the ones with them together, I think, the best. um, With the exception of the ice bear ones, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think are really uh, affecting. Uh, I like that they get into some of their backstory, but they shy away from what causes three young bears to not have any parents uh so they they wisely do not approach that very very much you you know as a viewer who wants to engage with that you can kind of piece some stuff together but uh in general they they mostly just let you have fun with the with the bears and there's a good blend of this is really sad (laughs) if you're watching from the lens of you know an adult um and this is just a wacky adventure if you're not thinking about some of the, the larger contexts. So I think they handle all of that well. Um, probably one of, one of my favorites is when they're at the pet shop trying to get adopted. It's very good. Um, there's some other really, really fun ones too. But uh, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to think of one that, like the whole Yuri arc I think is really good, which is like three, four episodes over the course of quite a bit, actually a span of time, the ones that he's in or the ones that reference him in a meaningful, meaningful way. Um, but, uh, but the baby bear episodes are definitely fun and a good, a nice change of pace from the other stuff. It's like, again, like you're saying, it's a 11 minute box and sometimes you open it up of the box and it's a baby, baby bear episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoy the baby bear episodes as well. And if you like the baby bear episodes, there's a ton of them in uh, the fourth season. Um, they just kind of went whole hog on doing a lot of baby bear episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to like hit on? Like the yes. theme song? Do you want to talk about Estelle? Um, like where do you yeah. want to go? <laughs> well, the, there's two important things we need to mention. I mentioned earlier in the episode, enjoying um, when some of the vo- the vocal cameos that we get and, and Estelle sings the theme song. Listeners and wrote it too. Estelle is, and wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Estelle is the voice of Garnet on uh, Steven Universe. Um, the vocal performances just throughout, because we haven't mentioned a lot of this, like the specific actors, but they're all really yes. good. They're terrific throughout. Um, so 
you know, well done to the actors and the directors and the casting people. Um, but we haven't mentioned the single best episode of the show, which is clearly Tote Life. Tote Life! Tote Life is the best episode of the show. <laughs> I haven't seen all of the show, but I still feel confident <laughs> that Tote Life is the best episode. Um, and that's all I have to say about it, because the people who know know, and the people who don't know should experience Tote Life. Yeah. What, what do you think? What, what do you think the best episode is? Um, like... Tote Life is pretty high, I think, just because it it's a really good amalgamation of everything we've talked about of, like, contemporary society sitcoms and the bears end up in a weird situation of contemporary society um, while also really kind of lampooning contemporary society. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Tote Life is probably one of, among the show's best episodes, and it comes really early in the show's run, too, which isn't to say that they peak because they don't. Like, they 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 have a number of really strong episodes. Um, and I watched so many of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, Tote Life is great. Um, I do really enjoy the Everyone's Tubes episodes that they do, um, which are only two of them, which are basically just like, these aren't enough for an episode, but we wanted to do them anyway, type of things. Um, particularly Leslie Odom Jr. Um, showing up, um, for one in a brief cameo, and it's really good. Um, yeah, mm, I... We found the Hamilton reference I didn't need. Oh, that's fair. I, I, I appreciated the joke about Ice Bear's verse and then being like, oh, no, that's all true, actually, um, <laughs> was worth it. Um, but no, I hear you on that. Um, it's a weird, it's a very heavy cultural stone that they th- that they didn't need, but they clearly wanted to do because they got him, mm-hmm. um, which I can't blame yeah. them. Um, I do, even though it's not among the show's best episodes, I do want to call out Kyle. And I specifically mm-hmm. had you watch Kyle because Reese Darby shows up as yeah. uh, Nom Nom's long lost brother. Um, and it goes exactly the way you think it's going to go, listeners. But Reese Darby's is really good in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Jermaine Clement shows up as a, the booby, there's the booby hunter, booby trapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really great too. And even his character looks like him, which, but buff. Um, so yeah, there are a number of really great episodes, but tote life, tote life. Yes. Tote life. Just the, the, as they, the way that they shift the animation style over mm-hmm. the episode is terrific. Yeah. And the vocal performances as well. That, yeah, it's very good. So listeners, let us know what you think about Weeper Bears and your favorite bear. And it's your, ice your bear. Best bear. It's and ice bear's best episodes. bear. <laughs> A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start, a, start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed over on Apple Podcasts. We're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And, of course, we are both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. And go enjoy all the food and pies and fruit and everything and enjoy your your uh not pie your maybe chocolate pie uh we're and... going to do the buttermilk chest cake pie we're, that's what we're gonna do okay yeah. well that's the answer okay well enjoy enjoy yeah. that my best to you and yours and to everyone listening have a wonderful week everyone a wonderful holiday and we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse <laughs>